Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson. I'm your host for the show today and a contributing writer on CIO.com, where my boardroom-bound column focuses on technology leaders and digital governance strategies in today's boardroom. We produce CIO Leadership Live with the generous support of my friends at CIO.com and also the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live right now onto LinkedIn and Twitter, and we welcome all of our viewers who have joined us today to send in any questions you have for my guest. We will be watching the feed and doing our best to get those questions directly to him during the show. So let me introduce who is joining me here today. I am very pleased and honored to be joined by Shamim Mohammed, who is the Chief Information and Technology Officer at CarMax. For the last eight years, Shamim has been leading the technology strategy and the digital transformation at the nation's largest retailer of used vehicles. Based in Richmond, Virginia, CarMax is a $20 billion Fortune 200 company, an industry leader in rev revolutionizing the car buying experience through its customer-facing technologies and its omni-channel innovations. Shamim has led CarMax through a massive digital transformation in all areas of its business. And that covers replatforming all the major technologies, developing world-class supply chain capabilities, elevating the company's cybersecurity posture, and leveraging AI and machine learning to power its business. He's also a public a, a board servant. He is a nonprofit board member that on two organizations that show his passion for health and education. He is a board member of the Richmond, Greater Richmond YMCA, and also on the Richmond Technology Council. With more than 20 years of IT leadership experience, Shamim has served in technology strategy roles in startups and Fortune 500 companies across several industries, including retail, travel, hospitality, finance, and technology. Before he joined CarMax in 2012, back when he and I first met, he was the VP of IT for BJ's Warehouse Wholesale, where he developed the company's e-commerce capabilities. And he's also held senior IT leadership roles with uh, Blockbuster and TravelClick. Shamim, it's so nice of you to join me here today. How are you? I'm doing great, Mary Fran. Great to be here with you today. Yes, thank you. I always, these days, given what we're all going through, the personal and professional roller coaster ride we're all on with this global pandemic, I like to start with just checking in and asking not just how you're doing, but how's your technology team doing these days? So Mary Fran, uh, this has been a very challenging time for all of us, you know, and as I'm talking to you from my basement room, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's a testimony of how the, how the world has changed over the past six months. Yeah. You know, during the early days, back in March timeframe, uh, we didn't know what we were getting into. Uh, it was very, very challenging for our company. It was very challenging for our country mm -hmm. and challenging for my team. Mm. Uh, however, over the past six some months, we actually learned how to live in the new normal, and we actually are very grateful to be in a position right now where we've adjusted our approaches. We you know kind of learned how to do things differently, and and everybody is really uh, being pretty safe and healthy at this point. So that's the best we can ask for. 
Well, exactly. I think we, I, I talk with a lot of CIOs these days about the very, the pan, I think of it as the pandemic pivot, you know, the way that resilience and res the, the reset that has gone on across, across the land, essentially. And the part that I enjoy on behalf of all of the technology leader friends I have is the kind of the golden spotlight of opportunity that is on technology organizations now. I feel like the that long struggle that we had to get to a strategic level with the business um, is, is in its heyday right now. I mean, for reasons that none of us would have chosen, but um, bring us up to date on how CarMax's business is doing and how you were managing a few specifics about your own pandemic pivot. Yeah, so my friend, you know, the, the pandemic actually highlighted the need for companies to be agile and nimble. Mm -hmm. So CarMax, because we've been going through a pretty significant digital transformation over the past few years, yeah. Uh, we actually were fairly well positioned uh, when the pandemic hit us. Now, it took us a little bit, probably a few weeks to understand how the world is changing, but then very quickly, our teams were able to adopt and evolve to take care of our business and take care of our customers. Yes. And over the past few years, we've invested close to $300 million incrementally to develop our digital capabilities. Mm -hmm. And our focus really was not to go do a couple of projects and things like that, but our focus was fundamentally position the company for rapid change, whether it's how we work, how our teams are organized, or even the digital technology platforms are building. Mm -hmm. So what happened is during the pandemic, we kind of proved that we were on the right path, our strategy was the right one, and it allowed us to really take care of our customers uh, as the customers have been changing fundamentally. And many of the changes are uh, long lasting, right? The changes are permanent almost. Mm -hmm. yeah. and so, so the changes that uh, from a customer expectation perspective, you know, where they're looking for convenience and personalization and, you know, control, they're, they're happening long before the pandemic. And what happened is during the pandemic, those expectations really kind of got even more accelerated. Mm -hmm. And then in, on top of that, customers are looking for safety and basically security. So what we've been able to do as a, at CarMax with our uh, incredible team, you know, the talent we have, whether it's technology or across the company, uh, they're, they really show the resiliency our company has and our ability to change. And we've been able to do a number of things to meet those requirements or needs of the customers uh, as the customers are expecting a lot more from the companies they're doing business with. Yeah. I can give you a couple of specific examples. Um, one of which is, uh, you know, our, our customers were looking for uh, a safe way to get their cars, right? Cars, after buying your home, is the second most expensive thing that you would do. So, so before you buy the car, I mean, you really want to see it, you want to feel it, you want to test drive it, you want to make sure this is the right one for you. Literally so, do want to kick the tires. <laughs> yeah, kick the tires, exactly. And it's hard to do if you are 100% digital. I mean, you can, you know, you can do it, but you're never going to get the exact feel. So, so while many of our customers prefer to do the transition online and have the car delivered to their home, mm -hmm. most of them still would like to experience the car before they actually buy the car sure. so we have enabled a curbside 
option, a contactless curbside option for our customers. And that is an image at an amazing speed. When we started, you know, we, we did that whole thing like in two weeks. So in two weeks, we were able to change our, all our technology, change all our business processes, train our thousands of associates all across the country, come up with a marketing campaign and educate, you know, make communicate that option to our customers and yeah. be ready. And that was an amazing uh, speed that we got that done. And yeah. that's just one example um, that how quickly our company is able to adopt and evolve. And, mm-hmm. and it's, again, it's not because of the pandemic, it's because all the things that we have been working on and doing prior yeah. to pandemic that had positioned our company to be able to move at that speed. Well, and uh, that- another example I can give you, Mary Fran, is uh, you know, one of the one of the one of the three lines of business for us is wholesale. We are one of the top wholesale car company in the country. Yeah. And the wholesale is like an auction. We have 70 plus auction locations where customers actually come in and dealers come in and they buy a car from us. Mm-hmm. The entire business, with a matter of a couple of weeks, we're able to bring it online. So that meant you know, technology changes, that meant our process changes, that meant training our customers, our you know, uh, business-to-business customers on how to interact with us in that way. So yeah. amazing uh, change in a very short period of time. Tell me more about the the underlying technology, especially for the curbside pickup. You said that you know you were able to pivot very quickly in two weeks. It wasn't you weren't bringing new technologies into the four. You were probably I'm assuming that you were using some base baseline capabilities that you had from your digital transformation that you could then shift and apply. So it just considering that a lot of our listeners are uh, like yourself, our technology leaders. Tell us a little bit more about the underlying technologies that you had in place and also any that you found you had to add. Yeah, fortunately, um, we did not have to add any new technology um, to enable that. Um, you know, what we, the journey we've been on for the past uh, couple of years uh, has been an omni-channel journey, right? Omni, in our mind, is giving customers the option and control in terms of how they want to sell and buy a car. So whether mm-hmm. they want to do it 100% online or 100% mm-hmm. in store uh, or a, a combination of the two. So in order to enable Omni, we had to bring in a lot of technologies over the last few years. And you know, with the mind, a cloud mindset, cloud first and mobile first mindset. So mm-hmm. what we did for the curve side was basically leverage the platforms we already put in place. We had to make changes, obviously, sure. but it's within the technologies we already had. Mm-hmm. And also how our teams work, right? Our teams are cross-functional, empowered teams, mission-driven. Uh, they have a lot of autonomy in terms of how to go about getting things done. So mm-hmm. we get, we challenge them to come up with the best way to deliver that curbside uh, contactless option, and they're able to get it done uh, with incredible speed, uh, yep. leveraging technology you already have. Well, in those, I know you've uh, been interviewed um, several times before, I think I may have forgotten to mention that you were this year's the 2020 winner of the MIT CIO Leadership Award. And I know in some of your conversations and panel discussions around that, you talked about the um, the way the technology teams work. Um, 
So I have a question from our audience that I think plays into that. But before I ask you that question, talk a little bit when you when you say that they are cross-functional, what sort of um, what sort of skill sets do you have on those teams that you were able to throw this question out to and have them work on it so quickly? And they were doing this in a remote fashion. They were not because uh, I know you have a beautiful center there in Richmond where everybody can be face to face, but then now it's all being done virtually. So first, let me talk about the team, how the teams work, and then I can tell you how uh, the virtual world is impacting their ability to get things done. Okay, good. So uh, on the team front, you know, this is a decision we made a few years ago where we recognized that the traditional way the technology organizations are working is not going to allow companies to move at the space they need to move. So mm -hmm. we move from a like a siloed project-based technology function to a more of a cross-functional uh, product organization. So the transformation from project to product is really uh, what, you know, I think enabled us to uh, move at the speed we need to move. So these product teams are very different uh, than a traditional project team. These product teams are, you know, anywhere from seven to nine people. There's a product manager Mm -hmm. uh, who may be coming from technology, maybe coming from marketing, maybe from coming from other places. But think about the product manager as the CEO of a small startup company, which is the product team. Mm -hmm. and, and that product manager has a lead engineer in the team who is sort of the technical architect of that group. And yep. then you have user experience. So these three roles are mandatory. You have to have a product manager, you have to have a lead engineer, and you have to have and user experience person. And right. then those teams, that team is supplemented by, you know, more engineers, quality assurance people, other business functional unit leads, those kind of stuff. But so that team is given a specific goal, right? It's a, it's a specific, we, we use the term OKR, objectives and key results. They're giving a specific goal. And then, then they are empowered to go figure out through experimentation, test and learn, and trying different things with the customers or in some cases with the associates, figure mm -hmm. how to best go about going uh, getting their goal. So this is how the teams work. We tell them what, they figure out how. And those what's are tied into the overall company goal. So this is how we're able to create these empowered teams mm -hmm. and uh, they, are, they have tremendous amount of flexibility to figure out how to best achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we, we have open houses every couple of weeks. We have ceremonies that we put in place where they demonstrate how they are uh, tracking to their goals, what experiments they have, they have been doing, what they're learning from those experiments, what's working, what's not working. Right. And those open houses are attended by our senior executive team, right? I attend, my CEO attends sometime, my colleagues, CMO, CEO, all, we all attend as many of them as you can but I attend most of them every couple of weeks. So that's a major commitment for me and my uh, peers. However, we find that extremely beneficial for us to stay close to what the teams are doing and what support they need. At the same time, it's also good for the team to recognize the value they're driving and how important the work they're doing. So yeah. that's the way how the product, uh, the product teams work, which is very different than the project-based finance, right? Right. And then from a remote perspective, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, it was a challenge because we, the way we put the product teams, uh, we basically took away the departmental boundaries. We co-located those teams in the 
our you know our our offices that uh, my friend uh, you were mentioning. So so we no longer have the advantage of people sitting next to each other and collaborating and working through that. Mm -hmm. uh, when we moved to remote, uh, what the nice thing was because the way we're already working, they already have that bond, right? These teams are durable, so we don't like change teams that frequently. Okay, people uh, don't. So the teams already have this sense of you know teamwork, sense of you know uh, the pride of working on common goals, shared objectives. So it really help the teams to work well, even in this remote situation, because they already have that kind of relationship. Yeah. As we're bringing in new associates, we're, we're just working through that and figure out how to in include them. How do they become part of that team and how do they become effective in this remote? So we're still working through that, but so far uh, working remotely has worked fairly well for us. And now if we were to start this now, that would be very challenging. The fact that we have this foresight and we're really focused on uh, speed and agility and you know this cross-functional product teams, we were, we were in a good position when the pandemic hit. Yes. Um, so so the remote is working well, uh, but again, we're paying a lot of attention and, and putting a lot of effort to see how do we continue to maintain that high level of engagement um, and high level of sense of ownership and teamwork in mm -hmm. this well, and I think that's something I've had a, a lot of conversations with CIOs about that, that over the next probably year, when a lot of us will still be working in remote or, or virtual situations, that that issue about absorbing new team members into pre-established teams, uh, I, it, there's probably an additional layer of difficulty there for everyone because getting to know someone over a virtual uh, discussion is so different from, from sitting in person. I see a lot of things being posted on LinkedIn, you know, a lot of seminars and things you can attend. Have you done, um, have you done any particular training yourself or things you've encouraged your team to do to get better at that aspect, at helping to include people that are new to the company, because you're hiring again, I believe. Yes, we're hiring and we're hiring a lot. Um, so you know, one of the thing, Mary friend, we take a lot of pride, and what I love about Carmax is the culture we have, right? Not just in technology, but across the company. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we are a Fortune 100 best place to work for 16 years in a row. And this year we had the highest scoring, which is we're number 20 on the list. Mm -hmm. and, and so and that doesn't happen accidentally because we're very, very intentional about our culture. We are very much a value-driven organization and we have a very much a people-first focus. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is uh, we're paying close attention to what does this all this remote work really mean to our culture and how do we make sure we have a great culture, even though we're all working differently. Yeah. Now, the good news is for a lot of our you know, store and field associate, they're still coming to work, right? I mean, still they're coming and working on the cars. They're still in the stores, you know, uh, taking mm -hmm. care of customers who want to be taken care of that way. So we have that uh, interaction happening. But mm -hmm. if you look at the corporate world, um, most people are working remote. And mm -hmm. uh, so we're doing, we're doing different things. For example, I have changed my leadership style to some extent. Um, mm -hmm. I made now a, a point to reach out to many folks one-on-one, um, -on -one, quick touch base throughout the, throughout the week. Um, and uh, my leadership team and I meet every morning uh, for just 10, 15 minutes just to see each other and 
go over what is important going on for them day, for that day. Like, what are the top three things they're focused on? Yes. And interesting enough, uh, with the CEO and his direct reports, we do the same thing. We, we meet, we used to meet like seven days a week during the early days of pandemic because mm-hmm. there's so much change happening. Now we're meeting, you know, a couple of days a week where we go through our top priorities for the day. Yes. Having that kind of a regular touch base, is, I found it that keeping all of us connected, although we may not be physically connected anymore. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, we have a team dedicated just focusing on different ways we can maintain the level of engagement. That's uh, great. That's yeah, great. What's interesting, Mary friend, is uh, as we've gone through a lot of change as a company over the mm-hmm. past few years, our engagement for the associates has been the highest. So, so our teams uh, love the changes. They love the challenges. They're very resilient. And I believe because we have been going through a lot of change, they develop this muscle, you know, like the agility muscle. So, uh, so they're, they're a lot more open to change and they're more, a lot more able and adapt, um, it, 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 be able to adapt those change, to those changes. And so the pandemic actually just put one more test that, you know, on our agility. And, and so far, I, I would say that I'm very, very pleased with how well our associates have been able to respond um, and, and, and how much they've been able to support all the changes we've been going through. Right. Well, I, I've had so many CIOs that have essentially said the equivalent of what we're living through now is a master class in change management mm-hmm. and probably also a master class in leadership. Uh, before I dive into my next question, let me get one, let me slip one in from our audience. Um, and if you are just tuning in to us now, I'm here talking with Shamim Mohammed, who is the Chief Information and Technology Officer at CarMax, the, the country's largest retailer of used vehicles. The question we have, it's a very basic one, does your IT run as a cost center or a profit center? First of all, uh, we do not have an IT department. Uh, I think the... I changed and transformed that mindset from IT to a technology mindset. So my department is called Carmex Technology. And with that, because when we move to this product mindset where our teams are really driving a lot of the innovation for the company around, you know, and most of those are having direct impact on revenue generation. So Mm -hmm. we still cost component, we still have to have plumbing, we have to still have to have a network, we still have to database and you know, cloud, those kind of stuff. But at the fundamental level, uh, technology, CarMax technology is in the epicenter and a key enabler for all the big transformation the company is going through. So okay. the answer is we're definitely in the revenue generation side and customer experience side. Yes. And, and Mary Fran, as, you, uh, as we were talking earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Our teams, uh, they're given a specific OKR, objectives and key results. Mm-hmm. And those OKRs are not, hey, you know, get this many projects done. They're really more focused on business outcome goals, right? Drive this much revenue or drive this much in efficiency uh, from a you know, customer experience perspective. So, so their goals are very much focused on revenue slash customer experience, less mm-hmm. so on the, hey, cut the cost out of the equation. Right. And, 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 and we're, we're investing. I mean, we invested, uh, like I said, $300 million mm-hmm. in our, just uh, some of the digital capabilities over the past couple of years. And I mean, we are investing and we're investing because our teams are delivering, uh, they're getting results and they're delivering an awesome, iconic customer experience. 
<laughs> well, uh, sometimes when I'm talking to you, Shamim, I, I forget that you're the technology leader, and I think I'm talking to the chief marketing officer. <laughs> so, because you're you're just such you're such a cheerleader for for the company. Um, we have a question from our um, our alert viewers that, uh, and it's about omni-channel, which I know is a favorite topic of yours. There's multiple channels. The question says showrooms online. Um, augmented reality, virtual reality. In the omni-channel business, are there any channels that you are particularly accelerating? So that's a great question because omni is, has been a big part of our strategy. Uh, you know, we, we, we looked at early on and said, okay, do we create a digital only channel where customers just can buy cars online without looking at the car? Mm -hmm. Or do we focus on you know more the physical channel where the customers can come in? But our research showed that customers actually would like to be in control and they like to decide what works for them. Now yeah. this is not unique to car buying, but what's unique about car buying is this is the second most expensive thing anybody would do. Right. So when you're spending that kind of money, you really want to be able to see the car before you buy it. So one of the big things we push for is uh, you know, allowing the car uh, customers and enabling our customers to uh, be the, in the driver's seat and then decide how and where and when they like to buy the car from us. Yeah. So, so we focus on all parts of the Omni journey, right? So providing 100% online uh, world-class experience, mm -hmm. also focusing a lot on 100% in-store world-class experience, but most customers are doing something in between. Hybrid. Um, over 90% of the customers are beginning their journey online. So they're looking for searching for cars and doing different things. Mm -hmm. Before the pandemic, uh, that was the case. I mean, more and more customers were doing more and more online. And right. then, but finishing their purchase at, at, at the store. Mm -hmm. uh, what we've noticed is that over the pandemic, customers are actually doing a lot more online. So, so before the pandemic, we probably had about you know, around 50% of the customers will do most of their sales online, but get the delivery at, at the store. And that number is closer to 60% now. And, and so, and that number is trending up because they want to do more. So going back to the question, it's all about giving the customers the full control around Omni, not necessarily you know, forcing them to choose one channel over another, but making sure that they can start the journey online and anytime during the process, they can pick up the phone or get online, talk to one of our associates or go to the store and pick up the car or test drive the car mm -hmm. and then get credit for the work they're doing. Because many friend, for example, because this is such a large purchase, you know, you're going to decide the car, you have to you know, figure out the financing option, you may have a trade-in, right? all those things you have to figure out and you're spending hours on your own. And you don't want to come to a store or get in touch with a retailer and start over that, right? So, so the right. way we looked at our digital platform, our Omni, is our customers actually get credit for the work they're doing on their own so mm -hmm. that our associates can pick up where they left off and just help them through the transition, I mean, transaction. So that's the biggest way we looked at our Omni offering. And I think our Omni channel is very unique. And, and absolutely the best in class because nobody else can really come even close to being able to offer this kind of Omni experience because of the technology we put in place, because of the process we focused on and our 
you know, all our associates, 25 some thousand people across the company really focusing on that iconic experience, driving, making sure customers are happy, not just buying a used car or selling a used car, but iconic experience that is unparalleled to any industry. Well, and I know that you had the, um, the omni-channel, the adaptability, the ability to use whichever pieces of the part of the omni-channel you needed until you connected with a real person, that um, there was, you were rolling something out that was going to wrap up in early 2021. And which pieces of the strategy was that? Because I, I know that you actually accelerated that piece of it, and it's up and running now. I think you might have it when you talked about training the store associates. So uh, kind of unpack that a little bit for us and tell us about what changed in that rollout schedule that you had for different pieces of the omni-channel strategy. Yeah, so Mary Fran, you know, so we began the deployment of the omni experience um, mm -hmm. across the country, uh, probably early last year, yep. uh, or early to 2019, late 2018. Uh, because it's a massive change for our uh, stores and for our customers. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing it gradually uh, throughout the country. And our target was to complete the Omni rollout by end of this year, which is for us, you know, like January, February of next year is really the fiscal year end. But because of the pandemic and because of how well and how fast our teams can work, we actually accelerated that deployment. So I'm very happy to say that now, as of end of August, which is just a couple of weeks ago earlier, we have been able to deploy the Omni experience to the entire country, uh, many, many months ahead of schedule, which is awesome. And again, tremendous um, uh, credit to our teams and how well they can work in this kind of environment and, 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 and also meeting the customer needs. Like our customers were, uh, expecting and they're really wanting this Omni experience uh, from all over the country and our team really stood up to the challenge and they were able to get it done for them. Yeah. Um, and the Omni experience is like, like, you know, you can do whether it's in Seattle, Washington, or you are in Chicago, Illinois, or wherever you may be. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to buy the car 100% online and have the car delivered to your home, you could do that. Or if you want to do 80% online and just uh, go to the store and test drive and then get the car in a contactless curbside pickup, you can do that. So it really gives flexibility. That's what I, we mean by Omni. Okay. Now, as the way you've been leading through very unprecedented times right now, what were some of your biggest or your more unexpected problems that you needed to solve? Is there anything you could give us kind of a, was it a business or technology plan that shifted or changed? Uh, something that maybe moved up or down on your own strategic priority list? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's been changing uh, as we've been going through this uh, pandemic over the last six months. Um, in the early days, the biggest challenge we faced, like most everybody faced, is really how do we get all of your associates working from home, right? That was a big thing. Now, technology and product and a lot of our you know, folks that are more in the digital space, uh, they've been working from home a few days a week anyway, before this. So it is not as big of a deal. Right. But when you have a lot of different uh, departments, they not, don't normally work from home, enabling mm -hmm. them to work from home. That was a big thing for us. And mm -hmm. then, you know, just uh, early days of pandemic, there were a lot of new rules and regulations and, you know, 
confusion in terms of what the requirements for the stores and what you know each state is doing, all the localities. So dealing with those, navigating through those was a big challenge because uh, yeah. every day we had different requirements, right? And, uh, and, and this state is doing this, and this county is doing this, and this city is doing this. So how do we comply with that? And a lot of times there are in a lot of conflicts in terms of the same you know, rules coming out uh, from the same kind of location. So so to work through those, that was a big challenge. But once we got a good process in place and, and we, we learned how to navigate in this kind of environment, uh, we've been very, very effective. Um, and then early on also, we, 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 have lot, we are hiring a lot of people, right? We are a growing organization. We are, uh, you know, we're a very innovative organization. So we are investing in technology. So I want to hire people. In, in technology and product and marketing and some of those areas. So, so we had a temporary pause, probably a very short temporary pause because we we're trying to figure out how the world is going to, this event going to unfold. How do we And do resumed our hiring in a big way. And what's the good news about this right now is we uh, are hiring remote. Before, mm -hmm. uh, I, we're not hiring folks that are 100% remote, like uh, any of the engineers and you know, architects and product managers and those kind of folks, uh, we were, you know, because we, 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 we value the proximity, we value the co-location and cross-functional stuff, but we recognize, we learned that, hey, even in a remote situation, uh, the mm -hmm. teams can be very effective uh, for, for the way we work. So, so we are now going and opening, we op we're looking for talent anywhere in the country. So whether, again, you're in the Silicon Valley or you're in you know, Des Moines, Iowa, it doesn't really matter. If you're a top talent, if you want to work for an amazing company you know, that's going through a lot of you know, innovation and transformation, mm -hmm. we would love to talk to you. Right? That's, that's, that, and, and that's opened up a lot of possibilities for us to get the talent we need to mm -hmm. drive innovation at the company. Tell me more about the types of talent that you are recruiting now, because people listening to this, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you need everybody who's working in technology and would like to come and work for CarMax to get in touch with you directly, or if you'd like to just sort of um, narrow in on some of the top skill sets that you're looking for now, and whether those have changed over the last six months. I mean, are these the same job positions that you would have liked to have filled back in February? So first, uh, let me ask you the latter part of the question first. Um, the job categories are similar, but mm -hmm. we have the numbers have changed. We actually, in some cases, we're looking for more people. So if you look at the product and technology space, we're looking for product managers. We're looking for uh, engineers, developers. We're looking for user experience folks. Um, okay. So basically, any kind of digital uh, technology skill set, we're looking for those. We're also looking for managers' talent, right? Manager leadership in leadership roles. We have four, uh, four uh, roles open there. Mm -hmm. And beyond the technology and product side, we are also using these are more uh, customer experience consultants. So because we're in an omni space, we have a lot of uh, customers are reaching out and they want to talk to somebody. Uh, mm -hmm. as they're going through the car shopping journey or car buying journey. So, yeah. so we have a huge number of openings there and they're in different parts of the country. You've got Atlanta, you've got Phoenix, you got, you know, Richmond, yeah. Kansas City. So, so those are the roles we're looking for. So, you know, if, you, if anybody's interested, <laughs> you can go to our website and get an idea of the type of roles we're looking for. Most 
positions are posted there right now. Well, and I've had uh, similar conversations with CIOs who, um, especially like in industries like insurance or banking, uh, where the company culture encouraged everybody to come into the office. So if you were trying to hire top talent for your teams, they probably live somewhere around the Richmond area. And now the whole country is your oyster. You can hire from any of these places. But the thing is, all of those other CIOs can as well. Um, I know several that I talk to, you know, every other week and they've opened up and they're so glad that they're not, they're essentially not hemmed in by the need to hire for people that have to come into the office. But have you found then that this ability to hire from anywhere, does it really give you any sort of a leg up in the hiring thing or do you just run into the same competition you would for this talent even in the before times when we could still come into the office? Yeah, I think uh, the ability to recruit nationwide does open up the possibility and does give us access to a lot of talent that normally would not be willing to work and move to Richmond. Although yes. I would tell you, Richmond is a great place to move. So if anybody wants to move here, I would highly recommend that I moved here myself and a lot of my talent did move to Richmond, but today they don't have to move, right? Mm -hmm. and, and today probably more than ever, it is important that companies have a strong culture. Mm -hmm. They value their employees, they have a people first mindset and the leaders live by those values. Really important. And, and that's what you know we reinforce. There's only 100 best companies in the world, uh, in the country, the Fortune 100 best place, right? So, so we, you know, we are one of the best employers and we don't take it for granted. We, we need to earn every single day that it's a great place for our people to work. Uh, as long as we focus on our associates, create a great opportunity for them, they feel like they're growing, they have the skill set, then they'll stay. If they don't, if we don't, then guess what? We we we're gonna lose people. So so we are very focused on maintaining a great work environment and maintaining a great culture. And I think other CIO friends of mine they need to do the same thing. It mm -hmm. is the competition is gonna be tougher because anybody can go work from anybody. Right. At the same time. Uh, the companies that have great culture, they will be able to attract talent from all over the country. And I believe strongly that because of our culture, uh, you know, the type of comp company we are, mm -hmm. we will have a significant advantage of finding good talent who love to work for a company like CarMax. Well, the um, good answer. Thank you for that. Now, I have someone who wrote and is at looking for clarification when you were talking about you don't have an IT department, you have CarMax technology. Um, acknowledge that that's true, but then the question segues over to customer data and the customer data that you collect, how is that used to help plan your future strategy? Well, customer data, you know, we take it very, very seriously because it is, um, we, we, you know, one of the one of the foundational element of our company and one of the core um, value of our company and the reason we exist is really around integrity and uh, privacy and getting customer, giving customer confidence, right? If you look yeah. at CarMax as a business, we basically looked at the used business, used car business, and we looked at all the things that are kind of bad and negative about it. And we mm -hmm. build this amazing business from that by focusing on improving and transforming our industry. 
So customer data, customer interaction, we take it very seriously and we maintain the privacy and, and everything else very, very strictly. We mm -hmm. probably go a bit more extra length to make sure that our customer data is safe and not used in a way that our customers would not approve it. Okay. Uh, so what we do is, um, without really looking at the specifics, we do use a lot of machine learning and AI capabilities on, let's say, our, in various channels uh, to make sure the experience is optimized. And our goal to leverage the customer data uh, in an anonymous way is really to give them the best experience possible. Um, but other than that, we don't really use it any other way because again, we're more careful and maybe more than we need to be, but we are careful to make sure that we maintain the privacy and the trust we have with our customers, with the data they share with us. Well, tell us a little bit more about what, where, uh, maybe some examples of areas where you're using artificial intelligence and machine learning in ways that have powered the business, things that are different today than maybe what you were doing two or three years ago. Yeah, I think, you know, that's probably one space uh, I feel really proud that how far we came along over the past few years. Um, Carmax always had great data. I mean, our business exists because we have some amazing, you know, data engineers, data scientists uh, that created this uh, the core business processes and, and helped our company make better decisions. Because our business is no haggle, fixed price business, right? Mm -hmm. so, so we have to get the car price right. Because unlike other dealerships, uh, we cannot, our associates, associates cannot negotiate. They cannot really say, okay, you know, we're going to give you extra hundred dollars. We're going to reduce hundred dollars because it is the price of the car is determined and driven through the algorithms we've been building. So, mm -hmm. so what do we have done over the past few years though? We made that, uh, you know, capability even better. Mm -hmm. We developed a very strong uh, data discipline. Our business runs on data as an algorithm driven business, right? It's so all parts of our business, whether uh, how many cars you're going to buy, uh, what price you're going to put, what off price you're going to make uh, available to our customers, um, mm -hmm. where to move the cars. All those things are done through data. So a couple of examples is the, I think pricing is the biggest one because uh, that is a core competency uh, as sort of a competitive advantage for CarMax. But we have the best car pricing data on the planet. So mm -hmm. we are, we're using that uh, to drive the price of the car because you know, as as market changes so fast, fast, right? You know, earlier in the you know during the pandemic, the the price was accelerating. You know, as a counterintuitive, the the depreciation of the car was not happening as fast. So, mm -hmm. and then we were able to adjust our model very quickly to, to make sure we're offering the right price for the car. Uh, that that makes sense at that time. So, mm -hmm. the pricing is a biggest big space. Uh, we also equip and empower our buyers who are buying cars. Also give them the you know the algorithm driven, uh, real time kind of pricing uh, engine so that they can make sure they're making the right offer for the cars they're buying from uh, from the field. Yeah. And then from a customer experience side, uh, so in the website you know we can have over fifty thousand cars. So my friend, if you're looking for a car and if you see fifty thousand cars, you don't know where, where to even start, right? So, so we use the machine learning recommendation engine uh, mm -hmm. that will narrow it down to a few cars for you. Okay. And then you can select one, maybe two from there. So that's an, again, it's a real time. Uh, it's adjusted based on the customer and you know, making that experience much more 
less overwhelming and much more uh, interactive and positive for you. So there's just a few examples, but like I said, we, our business runs on algorithm and we have strong, strong discipline around mm -hmm. you know, data science and machine learning and AI capabilities. Yeah. It's getting better every day. The uh, well, and the, and the idea of running on algorithms, I think, is is something that even the general public has started to get a grasp of that. That all of this data is feeding into different areas and powering different parts of business. I think it's always fascinating to kind of um, take it apart a little bit and talk about specific ways that the data is changing that whole customer experience. Um, I've had so many CIOs tell me that they're always looking for that fine edge between really helpful and smart and predictive and then a little too intrusive and creepy that you know that and it's it do you think that during the this pandemic time and do you, do you feel like the mindset of your customers or maybe even of all of us just generally has gotten what kind of advances have we made in terms of now what is okay with data for us to look forward to? Um, how much of an adaptability or an advance do you think we've made in, in, in moving forward in attitudes toward the use of data and algorithms in every part of our customer experience? Yeah, I think uh, customers, um, I don't know if they're thinking about a specific use of data, but what they uh, definitely changed in a way of they want companies to provide them a great experience. That is like, that expectation actually has even become much more um, prevalent and, and as a customer, I want that, right? The companies I interact with. Now yeah. the experience is driven through a lot of use of good data. So customers expect that from, from companies and we also see that. The other idea I think is the, from a customer perspective uh, that has changed a lot uh, is they're doing more and more work from home, right? There are other places of, you know, from safety of wherever they feel safe. Yeah. And the tools, the digital tools that companies are providing for shopping and experiencing the product, mm -hmm. those tools are, in, you know, equipped and, and enabled through algorithms and a lot more use of data than before. So for us, for example, you know, our product is the car and that car is a very expensive uh, purchase. So I believe, uh, you know, the, the area that's really getting a lot of focus and will have a lot of innovation more so than before is the digital merchandising where uh, the okay. retailers or, or companies that are selling merchandise or uh, marketing their merchandise, those mm -hmm. products have need to provide a lot more richer experience, mm -hmm. um, almost like real-time experience, uh, but do it virtually. So, so being at the, so we we also are focused on that, right? Being able to provide you know the very rich experience on the cars. They can do a 360 view. They can rotate. They can understand. Uh, what kind of you know problem this car may have? Are there any like dents or you know what is the true color of the car? Those kind of stuff would be very very helpful, and we're focused on those. And I think most retailers need to do that because our goal is for the customer to fall in love with the car, yeah. so that they can buy it there, or they want to go and test drive uh, going to a store. They can do that too. Yes. 
Um, I've had a, uh, a couple of times, uh, some of our um, viewers have asked questions about augmented reality. And so there's great interest in a company that is as advanced in its digital transformation as CarMax is. What can you tell us about your, your, what you're doing with virtual reality and augmented reality? Do you see that becoming part of the customer experience anytime over the next year, say? I think this whole space, um, whether it's a uh, pure digital uh, merchandising experience or augmented reality, virtual reality, this mm -hmm. whole space is going to evolve quickly. The virtual reality, I mean, all of the spaces we've been experimenting, um, but as you know, the technology around VR hasn't progressed as much. Um, I know at my home, my wife is a big fan of virtual reality. She, yeah. she actually bought uh, Oculus and uh, she, she loves it. Problem is, you know, this bulky headset in your head, and you get headache after a while. So it hasn't really become mainstream. Uh, but there are people like my wife who love this kind of experience. So, so I think it's going to grow. The technology has to come a uh, long ways before it becomes a mainstream. Mm -hmm. But the augmented reality, though, I think that's more short term. It's going to happen. It's happening now. For yeah. example, if you are looking for a car and if you want to see the space. Uh, or the trunk, or how many, you know, can you fit your dog in the car, right? Is this like, if you can do those kind of augmented reality kind of experience before you uh, actually go see the car, I think that would be very valuable. And those type of things actually we're experimenting and looking at. Oh, that sounds neat. Um, I wanted to circle back to something that you mentioned and we talked about briefly uh, about building up agility muscle. And I wondered whether, have you seen that also happening in your extended supply chain in the various partners that you work with? I mean, I know you've done a lot of work on that and things are going great within CarMax, but of course you're part of a much bigger ecosystem when it comes to the business you're doing. Do you have any thoughts on whether that agility muscle, that ability to pivot, the resilience, um, all the sort of things we seem to talk about now to do with technology and this post-pandemic world. Are you seeing that in your partners and your suppliers and maybe even the technology vendors that you're working with? I think, you know, everybody is pushed to be more mm -hmm. agile now than before. Mm -hmm. um, now for CarMax, because we were already kind of on that journey, I think uh, we were fairly well positioned and were able to uh, move better than probably some of the companies. But I know that everybody we work with, they're all doing their best. They're learning quickly. Some were you know, fairly advanced, some were like just getting started, uh, mm -hmm. but they're all coming along um, in, uh, in, in the journey. Uh, some of the technology partners, and fortunately, you know, we work with some of the best technology partners out there. Because to be an innovative company like we are, we have an ecosystem, and some of the best names out there you can you can Google, you can learn from the companies we work with. But mm -hmm. we have seen that they're actually working well with us, and you know, where we need them, they're stepping up and they're helping us um, to get to that uh, the type of experience we want to deliver. And that's one thing I look at. Any technology vendor or partner we work with, I don't mm -hmm. want to just go talk to their sales folks. I want to work with their engineers and I want my engineers to work with their engineers mm -hmm. so that we can actually co-develop and we can co-innovate uh, in, in those spaces. And, and because we have that kind of relationship with some of the leading tech organizations, uh, where, where we, we really have, that really helped us during this pandemic. Yeah. Has there... Um... 
Uh, let me see. I want to let me check. We don't have any other questions from our viewers yet, but I did want to. We often wrap up toward the end of these interviews by sharing a little bit of advice and insights on leadership. You've, I mean, you and your team have won a number of awards for innovation. You've won awards for leadership yourself. What are some of the qualities that you have developed uh, in yourself that uh, that uh, that is attracting the kind of talent you want to CarMax, but also, you know putting you up on the pedestal for a lot of those awards and things. What sort of leadership qualities do you do you still work on? And what are the ones that have served you best? And, you know, these are not, uh, I think, art sharing or breakthrough thinking, but these are basic common sense, right? So to lead with humility. I mean, it's really, really important that you want to be the leader that, that people want to work for. You know, mm. and, and this is why I think joining Carmex was a good thing for me because the Carmex culture uh, mm. of leading with humility uh, aligns very well with how I lead. And this is why, you know, this would be the longest job I ever had, you know, it's, uh, over eight years. Eight. <laughs> so, so that's been that's been really good. So lead with humility. I mean, be a good leader that people want to follow you. They want, they want to be around with you because if you're not, if you're a very abrasive leader, they may be there for for a job but at some point they're going to leave you mm -hmm. uh, in my case in my career i always had the advantage or i was fortunate where people actually followed me where i went mm -hmm. so that told me that hey you know i i wasn't they like working with me and that's important because it's some of this top talent and we know that we talked about talent today yeah. talent this day technology space they have many options they can go work anywhere mm -hmm. especially with this remote they don't even have to be relocating anywhere. So to be a good leader, lead with humility. The other thing that served me very well, uh, which uh, I think is, is, uh, the pandemic has been a good uh, testimony to that is having a beginner's mindset. Mm -hmm. You never want to feel like you know everything. You can't. <laughs> and, you know, you really have to uh, it, it constantly learn. You have to invest in yourself to learn new things. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this is the reason I love Carmax because we have this cre we have created this you know environment where we have a learning mindset. People are learning constantly, whether it's the product teams, testing and learning, making mistakes, learning from those experiments, or they're taking classes and you know partnering with a lot of the technology vendors we work with, with their engineering team, learning new ways of doing things. So that's, that's really important, having the beginner's mindset. The last thing I will say is, as a technology leader, you have to be a business leader first. Mm -hmm. You cannot rest on your technology competencies and being the absolutely the best technology mind. Mm -hmm. you, have to have a, you have to have the business mindset and figure out how are you driving the business outcome for the company? Because if you focus on that, guess what? you'll figure out the technology because you know how to do that anyway. Yes. So those are a few things that I, I believe in and I've been living by for, for you know, 25 years of my career. Yes. Well, and I know, and we talked about this too, that one of the post-pandemic 
uh, benefits. I'm not sure if you really see it as a benefit yet, but you said you've been working on your own workaholic tendencies, mm. which I know, I, I think at one point I was talking with one of my CIOs this week, and he was a little embarrassed that we were talking from the office because he's been trying to encourage everybody. You don't have to come into the office. It's okay. You know, like well, we're virtually from home and that's good. And he said he didn't want to set a bad example. You know, it was a lot about the empathy, the, because people do look at the leaders, they're in a fishbowl. And it, like, if they see you answering emails at three in the morning, they know that you're probably overworking. So what, what have you been doing on that front that has, um, essentially been able to maybe moderate some of your workaholic tendencies. Yeah, it's uh, that's, that's been a big learning for me personally because when I used to be in the office, I would be there late and come home late and miss dinner and those kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then at home, first few weeks of the pandemic, uh, I was working pretty late because it's hard to get out of the you know your room and go upstairs and meet the family. So, yeah. so what my wife and I did is uh, she actually, it was her idea where <laughs> we signed up with a personal trainer mm -hmm. a couple of times a week. Uh, once, you know, once the gyms opened up, we, we, she and I are taking a personal training class. Okay. Uh, it starts at 5.30 p.m., a couple of days a week. So I don't have a choice. I have to get out of my chair and get in the car by like 5.15 to get there by 5.30. Yes. And if I don't do that, mm -hmm. I have two people that I have to be accountable to. One is um, uh, the personal trainer that I'm paying some money to. Yep. And then obviously my wife. I definitely don't want to get her angry. So that's one strategy that seems to be working well for me. Good. The other thing I'm doing is I'm forcing uh, meetings on the calendar to do things that are not necessarily work-related. For example, like today, I have a virtual happy hour with my team. And so what I did is obviously I, it's going to force me to not do work, although yeah. I'm talking to my, uh, uh, my team, but mm -hmm. also going to force them to get into this conversation. We're not going to, we're not going to discuss work. We're just going to catch up and see how everybody's doing and feeling those kind of stuff. So, so those kind of tricks I'm playing with my calendar schedule so that, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not working, you know, hundred hours a week. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Well, I remember learning some years ago that, um, essentially the way our brains work is the neurons that fire together, wire together. So if you, this is why, you know, meditating for five minutes a day actually has benefits over the long term. I mean, I think we talked about agility muscle, essentially the, you know, the relaxation muscle and the empathy muscle. I think the more we wire these things together, the actually the better, better people we become and better people tend to make better leaders. So... It has, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. I always learn so much uh, from you. I always have a, an overwhelming urge. To, I have to keep in mind that you are actually a trained and certified used car salesman. So yeah. when, whenever I get off a call with you, I'm surprised that I'm not getting right on the site and taking a look <laughs> at used cars to buy. But it's been a, a, a great update on what you're doing with CarMax. And thank you so much for joining us today, Shamim. It was wonderful talking with you again. Thank you, my friend. I've enjoyed it as always. Oh, great. Well, if you've joined us late in the show today, uh, don't worry. We You can watch the full episode later today on CIO.com or on YouTube. 
please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is called IDG Tech Talk, where you can uh, find the entire collection. I think we're up to 52 or 53 of these types of interviews with prominent and leading and award-winning CIOs like today's Shamim Mohammed. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today with our CIO guest, the CIO of CarMax, and that you'll join me for the next episode of CIO Leadership Live, which will be on Wednesday, October 14th at noon Eastern, and I'll be joined by CIO Vicki Romero of SCP Health. Thanks for tuning in today, and thanks especially to my colleagues at the CIO Executive Council and, of course, my many friends at CIO.com for their ongoing sponsorship of this program. Everybody stay safe and well out there, and we'll see you here next time. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications, Incorporated.